Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, great singing this morning, man. It sounded like you meant it. That was great. And uh, I hope that you do mean it. I love that song. That's been our theme for the year, Only Jesus. And I hope, as uh, Noah said just a moment ago, I hope it wouldn't be your theme just for this last year, uh, but I hope it'll be your theme moving forward, that your life would exemplify Christ, that people would see only Jesus. And uh, we're going to learn more about that this morning. So let's take our Bibles and let's go uh, to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter number nine, Isaiah chapter nine this morning. And uh, that's where we are going to be. I wonder today, as we get into uh, the new year, I wonder if you've ever felt like uh, Sally from Charlie Brown. Sally walked in, Charlie's sitting there on the, on the couch, and Sally says, I hate everything. I hate the whole world. And Charlie asks the question, well, I, I thought you had inner peace. I do, Sally replied, but I still have outer obnoxiousness. <laughs> yeah, how many of you can relate? No, don't raise your hand, because your family's sitting next to you. Uh, man, we've all been there. We've all been at the place where it seems like I just want outer, I want outer peace and I want inner peace. Our world, if you haven't noticed, it doesn't take long to see it, but our world is searching for peace, for inner peace, for national peace, for international peace. People everywhere are searching for peace. But how do you get peace? How do you find peace? How do you find this abundant rest that we're going to discover today? How do you discover? How do you find it? Well, you could go read some good books. As a matter of fact, there's literally thousands of books about finding peace. You could perhaps be like one lady who went to a therapist and asked, how can I find peace? And she sat down This lady, after her appointment, she that evening was sitting down with a friend and talking about peace, and she said, well, my therapist said that peace comes when you finish what you start. The lady continued, so far today, I finished two bags of potato chips, three coffees, a small chocolate cake, and six leftover cookies, and yet I don't feel any better. There's a lot of solutions out there for finding peace. But unfortunately, too many people go to the wrong things to find peace. And today we're going to discover as we continue our series that one of the hopeful things that Christmas brings is the reminder that we have a person who is named the Prince of Peace. And the fact of the matter is this today, that if you leave with nothing else, don't miss this statement. Apart from Jesus Christ, you and I can never have peace. You can never have real peace apart from Jesus. That's what we're going to talk about today. Isaiah chapter nine is where we're going to be. Isaiah chapter nine, you can remain seated as we continue this study. We're in these verses, Isaiah nine, a prophecy given, where it says this, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. 
Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. We've been going through this series on the names of Jesus. His name shall be called. We've looked at wonderful. We've looked at counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father. And today we conclude the series with looking at his name shall be called the Prince of Peace. Let's pray. And then we'll dive right into it today with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you take just a minute and in the quietness of your own heart, would you give God permission? God, I give you permission to speak to me today. God, I give you permission to help me today. And then make a decision already. God, if you speak to me, I choose to listen to you. And God, I wanna, I wanna respond to you today. Dear Lord, thank you again for the word of God. Thank you for the singing this morning. Lord, we pray that you were glorified through that. God, we just wanna worship you. We wanna admit that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we come today giving you the first part of our day, the first part of this week, recognizing our need for you. And God, I pray that if there is someone with us today that does not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, I pray today would be the day they put their faith and trust in you. For those that do know you as Savior, God, I pray that you'd help every one of us to leave challenged and encouraged and, Lord, strengthened because of what takes place this morning throughout our entire service. Use the words right now. God, I humble myself before you, recognizing, Lord, I need you, and I pray that you would teach uh, through me what you have taught to me. And, Lord, we love you, and we thank you for what you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've been with us going through uh, this, uh, just this study of these few verses, kind of a topical series, but we've had to understand the context of what Isaiah was saying. Uh, if you know the book of Isaiah, then you know it's a prophecy about, uh, to the people of Israel about some coming days. As a matter of fact, it's about a lot of dark days. And I'm not gonna ask how many of you have had dark days because everybody's hand goes up. Uh, we've done that multiple times throughout the series, but Isaiah is preaching and the people of Israel, they're about to be taken captive. Uh, the, the northern tribes will be taken by Assyria. Much of that has already taken place. The southern tribes, uh, Judah area, will be taken over by Babylon. And, and so Isaiah is prophesying that darkness and dark times are going to come. People of Israel, you are about to go into the worst season of your life. He described it this way in Isaiah 8.22. He defines it by saying, there will be trouble and darkness, dimness of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. Hey, things are about to get bad Question, if you came to church today, I got up and I said, you know, I have a word from the Lord this morning. Your life is gonna stink this week. <laughs> Things are gonna get bad for you this week. As a matter of fact, you are gonna lose your home, your car, and your freedom. It's all gone this week. Let's pray. <laughs> and then we're dismissed. Like, we're not leaving encouraged. Why? Because the message is a message of like, hey, judgment is coming. Well, the people of Israel were not left with just discouragement. Because if you go and you read the passage, the Bible tells us that Isaiah said, hey, darkness is coming. Nevertheless, with God, there is hope. With God, there is hope. I don't know whose phone is going off, but we got it. Tell him I'm busy. Uh, with God, there is hope. He said, nevertheless, 
Nevertheless, what is he saying? Hey, listen, as long as, long as God is on the throne, there is hope. As long as God is on the throne, there is hope. Hey, can I tell you, um, God is never gonna be off of the throne. Just mark it down. He is always going to be on the throne. And so Isaiah helps them understand there is hope because there is a God. But then Isaiah told them this. Isaiah told them this. He said, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. You know what Isaiah told the people? Hey, there's hope because God is not only on the throne, but God is going to become man. He is going to come and he's going to live among you. And Isaiah later identified him by saying our verses today that hope has a name. The Messiah will have a name. Well, what is his name going to be? His name is wonderful. Why is it wonderful? Because when he comes, you will stand in awe of who he is. His name is called Counselor. Why is he Counselor? Because when he comes, you will be given wisdom from the very source of all wisdom. When he comes, his name will be the Mighty God. Well, why will it be the Mighty God? Because when he comes, when you look at the face of the Messiah, you will literally be looking at the face of God in human form. And when he comes, he will be the Everlasting Father. Well, why is he the Everlasting Father? Because when he comes, He will draw all men unto himself into a relationship as sons and as daughters. Man, hope has a name. His name is Jesus. It is also wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father. And then today, the Prince of Peace. So we're gonna do something. We're gonna answer three questions today. Our first question we're gonna answer is this. What is peace? Our second question is, why is Jesus called the Prince of Peace? And then our third question that we're gonna answer is what does his peace have to do with you and me? So let's start with the first question. What is peace? Maybe you think that peace is that luxury between the kid's bedtime and your bedtime. As I said a couple of weeks ago, maybe your peace is locking yourself in the bathroom where no one can disturb you. Maybe your peace is that quiet cup of coffee on the porch and you tell everybody, just leave dad alone. (laughs) I don't know what your peace is, but when we talk about defining peace this morning, the world has a lot of definitions about what peace is. In general, peace has been described as the absence of conflict. All right, would you agree with that? Peace is the absence of conflict? Yeah, I'd agree with that. This is a good working definition of it. It's when people are getting along. How many of you had family over or you went to families for Christmas this last week? Raise your hand. All right, man, a good portion. Isn't it nice when you sit down and there is the absence of conflict at the dinner table? Man, you sit down for Christmas dinner. It's nice when like everybody gets along. But have you ever had those meals when everybody didn't get along? Yeah, we've all been there. Not talking just about Christmas. I mean, let's just talk about like normal dinner. We've had dinners at our house and I'm not gonna tell you who, but we've had dinners at our house and all, probably all five of us have been responsible for it at one time where I think I did not know someone could huff that much. <laughs> you good? Yeah, I'm good, dad. 
Whoa, okay. Man, there's not, there's not, it's not peaceful. Peace could be described as the absence of conflict. Now that defines a world that when there is no war, it's the absence of conflict. That's peace. But the Hebrew word for this word peace, it literally means completeness, contentment, and soundness. The word soundness is where we would get absence of conflict, but completeness, contentment, it actually is defined as this, whole safety, to be in perfect or complete rest, to be wholly well and complete absence of conflict. You see, peace in scripture is not just the absence of conflict. That can happen anytime for a short period of time. When the Bible talks about peace, it is talking about a whole safety, a complete rest, a complete wellness, a complete absence of conflict outward and inward. I mean, peace can come for a day. Did you know the whole world, as far as we know, was at complete peace on December 25th, 1914? You say, well, pastor, wasn't that during World War I? It was during World War I. But did you know the story is told that on December 24th and December 25th of 1914, German, British, uh, German and British soldiers and French soldiers and American soldiers, you know what they did? They stopped fighting. Actually, I read this quote. In some areas, men from both sides ventured into no man's land on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day to mingle and to exchange food and gifts. They, just, they uh, participated in joint burial ceremonies, prisoner swaps, caroling, and even football games with one another. It is said to have, quote, created one of the most memorable images of truce and peace for a day. But I don't know about you. I want peace for more than a day. <laughs> so we talk about defining peace, but the frustrating thing is many of us live with the delusion of peace. We live with a delusion of peace. What is the delusion of peace? Well, since we were created, you see, all of us are created. Hey, listen, you were created to be holistically at peace, to be at rest. There is an innate desire within every single human being to be at rest. And so until we find real peace, we try to create peace. We work extremely hard to create false and fake peace. Most people create a narrative, a story for themselves of false peace. People try to escape reality and drown out reality. And by uh, going to a lot of different sources, what are they trying to do? They're trying to fill the heart's need for peace. People do this through things like medicating to find peace. People do this by just taking one more nap to find peace. More leisure time, more fun time. Well, maybe I'll have peace of rest in my heart after the next vacation. Some people turn to an addiction like a drug or an alcohol or an ill-advised relationship. Some people turn to fake reality in social media. I mean, right now you can go and many young people and young people, I would encourage you. And even some uh, older people, I would encourage you that what you find on social media, that is not reality. 
But often people create, oftentimes people create this false narrative and they give themselves this identity online that, that they don't really have. They create for themselves this perfect character and online life in hopes of finding fulfillment and the desire for inward peace and acceptance. You know what all of these are? These are just ways. These are just sad attempts to cover up something that only Jesus can bring. You see, anytime that you invest in things that are fluid or continually changing, anytime you invest in those things for peace, you will find yourself traveling down a dead end road because inevitably things change. The goal is always moving. If it's social media, what is popular and what is hip right now is always up and down. It's always a moving target. If your goal is a healthy relationship, a healthy relationship is always a moving target. If your goal is the promotion at work, what happens after you get the promotion? If your goal is retirement, what happens when you hit retirement? You see, what we do is we set a false narrative by setting false goals because we're aiming at the wrong thing. I love how one man wrote it when he said this, all too often humanity seeks peace for the soul in pursuits that ultimately fail to quench its profound thirst. Like our soul is thirsting for peace and what we do is we set false goals and bad narratives, bad storylines to try to find peace. So we create this fake peace and then we convince ourselves it's real. And then when it goes away, we do it again. So what is peace? Well, it's that holistic safety. Safety. It's to be in complete and perfect rest, to be holistically well, to have a complete absence of conflict outward and inward. So second question then, why is Jesus called the Prince of Peace? Ah, you've heard this statement before. I've heard it. I've preached it. But what does it mean? Like why this phrase, the Prince of Peace? Why not the son who brings peace? Why not the one who is peace? Why the prince of peace? Well, I want us to know this today. First off, he is called the prince of peace because he has all authority. All right, now, say, Pastor, we've already heard about his authority with mighty God and everlasting father. We've heard about it, about him being counselor. Why does that matter for prince of peace? Now, stay with me because this is something that I learned this week and it just went, oh, why did I never see that before? When Jesus is given this title, Prince of Peace, the word prince refers to the title that he holds. In this passage, the word prince means this. Ruler, a head person of any rank or class. The captain, the chief, the general, the governor, the keeper, the lord, the master, the prince, the steward. So what is it saying? What is the word prince? The word prince in this passage literally means the one who holds all authority, all power. Not just a king who's awarded power by people. No, 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 no. This is the one who holds all power. So his title is prince. What is it referring that he holds all power over in this specific portion of scripture? Peace. Literally, Jesus, as the name Prince of Peace, he is literally being called the one who holds all peace. 
He is the ruling one that brings all peace. He is the ruling one that is all peace. It is not just, well, Jesus came to absolve your conflict. No, no, no. He who is peace came to live in your life. The one who controls peace came to bring peace, came to give peace because he is the very author of peace. It says in verse number seven, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Well, what does that mean? This speaks to his authority and rulership. His peace is never, ever, 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 ever gonna end. That's how much authority he holds over complete rest, complete contentment, complete fulfillment. So he is called the Prince of Peace because of his authority. One author said it this way, there is no lasting, there can be no lasting peace on this earth until he is reigning. His government is not static. There is increase and growth. No two days are gonna be alike when Jesus is reigning. He is going to occupy the throne of David. This is a literal throne, which he will occupy at his second coming. Justice will be dominant in his rule and God's zeal, not man's zany plans, will accomplish this. Well, why can God bring complete peace to the world? Because he is the owner of peace. He's called the Prince of Peace because of his authority, but also because he paid the price for peace. You know, peace always has a cost. It always does. Let's think about it in your family. If there's gonna be peace in your family, the cost is somebody has to be humble. If me and my wonderful wife are having an argument, usually it's my fault. I'm not just saying that. Like, I mean it. Like, I'm, I know, I know this is gonna surprise a lot of you. But I can be very sarcastic and very stubborn, all right? Now, if you're my kids or my wife, please don't say amen right now. But if there's gonna be peace between us, do you know what I need to do? Or do you know what she needs to do? Somebody has to pay the price. What's the price? Humble yourself. Be humble. Be humble. Okay, let's think about a community. What does it take for a community to have peace? Well, there's a price that must be paid. What's the price? Well, there are some in this room Many actually that have paid that price for our community to be at peace. Why? It's called a first responder. First responders wake up. They get up when everybody else is asleep. Police officers put on that vest. They put on that badge. Why do they do it? To keep peace in the community. There's a cost. Firefighters go to the, go to the firehouse and firefighters wake up and on, on days and times like this week when you're celebrating Christmas, many of our firefighters are suiting up and going to a fire to help somebody have peace in their life at a time of tumultuousness. I just made that word up. I don't know if it's there. Well, what does it cost? It costs them something. Let's think about national peace. You know, when our country is not at war, when there is an absence of conflict, that is because there is somebody who has joined the armed forces and is stationed in Germany and stationed in Iraq and stationed in Japan and stationed in Chile 
and stationed in Mexico and stationed all throughout the US and state, why are they, what are they doing? They are holding the position so you and I can have peace. You see, if you don't think that there is a price for peace, then just take an hour and sit and talk with somebody who is a first responder or who is in the military. Sit with their family and ask them, hey, what is the price for us to have peace? And they will tell you, peace comes at a great cost. But the same is true spiritually with you and with me. In order for, for there to be peace, Jesus had to pay the price. Well, how did Jesus pay the price? Well, first he humbled himself. He became man. Jesus, we've already talked through this, but uh, Matthew 1.23, the verse we just quoted out of Isaiah chapter seven and verse four, number 14, that a child will be born and his name shall, which shall be interpreted uh, Emmanuel, which is God with us. His name shall be Emmanuel, being interpreted, which is God with us. Hey, Jesus humbled himself and he became man. He paid the price and put on flesh. How else did he pay the price? Well, he suffered for you and for me. Jesus lived every day in our flesh. And the Bible says he was tempted in every point like we are. He suffered through that. Then he suffered on the cross. He paid the price by living a perfect life. We know from scripture that he knew no sin. He paid the price because he paid the ultimate sacrifice when he gave his life a ransom for many. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 18, all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. Listen, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. The chastisement of our peace, that, mean, that, that means that which brings you and I peace was placed upon him. The chastisement that brought us peace is his. Hey, Jesus suffered. Why did he do all of that? To pay the price for peace. You see, without Jesus, you and I cannot have peace. Without Jesus, you and I can't have that inner rest. Without Jesus, it is impossible. I love how it said, as a savior, he brings eternal peace. As friend, he offers comforting peace. As king, he preserves peace, commands peace, and is the creator of of peace. Someone was asked the question, what kind of peace does Jesus bring? And this is the answer they gave. Peace of every kind, peace outward and inward, of country and conscience, temporal and eternal. Of all these aspects, he is the full authority, the prince, having full power to bestow them. So what is peace? It's not just the absence of conflict. It is complete, holistic rest internally, externally. Why is Jesus called the Prince of Peace? Because of his authority and the fact that he paid the price. So the third question and where we'll wrap up today is this. What does his peace have to do with me? What's that have to do with you? Why, why did Isaiah say, hey, you're coming into a dark time, but there is hope and the hope's name is the Prince of Peace. What does it have to do with you and me? Well, first, we have to know this, and many of us do, but his peace must be received. You see, Jesus is not going to force peace in your life. There are two types of peace we're going to talk about. The first one is this, 
Every single person in their life must at one time receive Jesus to to have peace with God. Peace with God. You see, we're all born, James says, we're all born enemies of God at enmity with him. We're fighting. But when Jesus came and died that, paid the price, he paid the price in order for you and I to have peace. And that peace, that substitutionary death that Jesus gave, that must be received into our life. Religion says that you can receive peace with God by hard work, becoming a better person, earning it, checking the list, going to church, getting baptized, but religion is creating a false narrative, a delusion of peace because peace cannot come apart from Jesus Christ. All of those things are good to do, but you and I, we need Jesus. So what did Jesus do? He purchased peace. It says in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, peace with God is a gift from God, but it must be received. But it is offered to us because of God's mercy and God's grace. Now, I heard this a long time ago. I had never really thought about the illustration of mercy and grace. This one really helped me click it. It just made sense to me. I'm a slow learner, but I got it with this one. So imagine yourself driving down the road today after work, or after work, after church, and you go home today and you're going 55 miles per hour in a 35 miles per hour zone. And you're driving down going 55 in that 35. And as you're driving, you see a police officer coming in their patrol car and you look at your speedometer and you think, oh, maybe they didn't notice. And then you see their lights turn on and they flip a UE and you're thinking, oh, they're gonna speed right past me. And they pull up behind you. And you're like, oh, I need to pull over so that they can go around me. And as you pull over, they pull over with you. And they walk up to your car and they knock on your window and you roll down the window and you're very polite. Good morning, officer. Good afternoon, officer. I'm just coming from church. Aren't I good? And the officer says, well, uh, you were going 55 and a 35. Can I get your license and registration, please? And you go, "Uh." pull it out, give it to him. He takes it, he goes back to the car. He runs your license plate. He runs your, uh, your ID. You don't have any warrants out today. At least none of them are pinging. They're, none of them are coming up. He writes you a ticket. He comes back to your car. He gives you your license, your registration, and he says, you are going 55 and a 35. Can I ask you a question? What do you deserve? If you were honest, you're gonna say, I deserve a speeding ticket. He holds up that speeding ticket and he says, you know, I have, uh, I have this speeding ticket here for you. But I've decided uh, I'm gonna have mercy. I'm not gonna give you what you deserve. You deserve the speeding ticket, but I'm gonna show mercy. In that moment, you're like, man, thank you. I just couldn't explain, you know, this $200 ticket to my family. Thank you very much. All right, that's mercy, but what if he took it a step further? And he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out a $250 gift card to Amazon. And he says, as a matter of fact, I am gonna give you something. It's a gift card. 
for $250 to Amazon. Do you know what that is? That's grace. Because he's giving you what you don't deserve. And here's the simple principle I wanna say this morning that when Jesus died upon the cross, the mercy of Jesus took my punishment. I deserve the penalty, but Jesus said, I won't give it to you. I'll accept it. The, the, the grace of Jesus offers what we don't deserve, forgiveness and an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ, an eternal relationship with God. But all of that was made possible because Jesus paid the price for eternal peace, for you and I to have peace with God. Romans 10, 13 tells us how we receive it. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know what's something great about having peace with God? When you have peace with God, it's a peace that will never go away. Your peace with God will never, ever be taken away. Your peace with God will never disappear. I heard the story a number of years ago about a missionary whose name was Don Richardson. Don Richardson was a missionary. He was a pastor that started a church in the New Guineas. And uh, he was working with the, uh, the Irian Jaya people. And he was there and he was working with them. And he was trying to teach them about God giving Jesus. But he was having difficulty, language barriers, trying to teach, just cultural differences. It seemed like he was always, he was always just hitting a roadblock. <clears throat> The other struggle that he had was this. The other struggle he had was the certain, that certain tribe, the Irian Jaya tribe, they were always fighting with every other tribe all the time. And this missionary was just struggling. One day he woke up, he went out, and it seemed like things had changed. No one was prepping for war. No one was getting ready to go over and attack the other village. And so through his translator, he began talking and figuring out what's, what's going on. And they said, oh, we, we have peace now. He's like, well, literally yesterday you were fighting, but today you have peace? And yes. Well, how do you have peace? And they explained to them the ritual that took place between the Idian Jaya tribe and other tribes. And here's what it was. If anybody wanted peace between tribes, all you need to do is one person from one tribe taking their child and bringing their child to the tribe that they're fighting for that tribe to raise their child. And so they would literally gift their children to the opposing tribe in hopes that that would bring peace. And the law was... As long as that child is alive, those two tribes would not fight. It was literally called the peace child. Don Richardson tells the story, true story, of him telling them, God gave his child to bring peace between you and God and as long as Jesus, the peace child, is alive, there will always be peace. And my friend, Jesus, the peace child, will never die. He already gave his life once and rose it up again to prove that he is over death, hell, and the grave. Why did he do that? So you and I can have peace with God. But it must be received. That's the first type of peace. 
The second type of peace is peace of God. And the Bible says this, well, we'll say, I'll say this first, that he wants to give us a peace that can be enjoyed moment by moment. That is the peace of God. You see, once you receive peace with God, you must also choose to have the peace of God each and every day. Here's what Philippians, this is the way Paul wrote it in Philippians 4, 7. He said, and the peace of God, which passes, surpasses all understanding, shall keep or guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You see, God desires not only that you and I would have peace with him, but that every day we would be able to live in the peace from him. Jesus said it this way in John 14, 20. 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. I am the author of peace and my complete rest. I want to bestow that into your life. But living with this peace, it is a choice. It is written this way to the people of Colossae in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That word let is the key. It is choosing to allow, choosing to invite his peace to rule in my life moment by moment. In every decision I make, I choose to trust him. In every decision I make, I choose to lean into peace. You see, what we do is we go through life and we allow circumstances, situations, and people we allow them to control the peace within. We allow a circumstance at work to cause us to throw up our hands and to say, I just can't do it anymore. I mean, my whole world is crumbling and life. And we, and we have an outer craziness going on and an inner struggle going on because in that moment, we are allowing circumstances to rule, not the peace of God to rule. Now, let's be honest. Are there challenging and bad situations that happen in life? Yes. But true peace in those moments says, even though, even though I've lost a loved one, even though the finances aren't where they should be, even though the relationship struggle is there, even though things are not going the way I want them to go, I can still trust God. And because of my trust in God, God allows peace to rule in my heart. It's choosing who's going to be in control of the moment. The outer situation that I can't control or choosing to let God control the inside, which I can control. God, I, I submit this to you. When I am being ruled by the Prince of Peace, it will be evident in my life. It'll be evident in every area. When I'm allowing him to rule my life and his peace to rule my life, it's evident in your emotions. Well, what does that mean? It means his peace, if I'm allowing his peace to rule in my life, my emotions are not going to dictate my life. I'm not gonna be controlled by the emotions that I'm given. We are all given emotions. God gave you emotion. Emotion is not a sin. It's not a sin to be discouraged and have the emotion of discouragement. It is not a sin to have a rough day and just be a little down. It's not a sin to be happy over your promotion at work. Like God gave those emotions in life, but the sin comes when I allow those emotions to dictate every decision I make rather than letting his peace rule my life and say, God, you are in control of my emotions. His peace helps me 
At any time, his peace helps me see that blessings from God, blessings from God are something that I can be thankful for, but not allow those blessings even to be my uh, source of joy and peace. Because what if those blessings leave? I mean, I, I talk with people and you do too. Man, life is going great right now. I mean, man, I'm on top of the world. Why? I got a promotion at work. This happened. I'm so excited because, but then two weeks later, it's like, oh my goodness. I, my life is out of control. Why? Well, because I, I found out my promotion. I only got a dollar raise, not a dollar 50. And now that blessing is causing the emotion to control the life. And so here's what the Lord said through Paul, let the peace of God rule in your life. And when it is, it's going to affect your emotions. It's gonna affect my relationships. When I'm allowing the Prince of Peace to rule in my life, it is evident in my relationships. I mean, his peace rules in my life. I am going to be selfless. I'm going to put aside hostility. In our house, this verse often gets quoted when there's argument. When there's an argument, this verse comes out. A wise man stops from fighting. <laughs> a wise man ceases from strife. Stop fighting. You know, I need to do sometimes, I need to look at my wife and I need to say, I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm putting down my arms. Not because we were physically fighting, just so you know. <laughs> Remember, I've told you, we don't fight. We just have heated discussions and disagreements. But you know what it takes? When I'm allowing the Prince of Peace to rule my life, my, my relationships are going to be affected because whew, I'm going I'm to be controlled by the one whose name is Peace. It's evident in my emotions, my relationships. When I'm controlled by the Prince of Peace, it's evident in my values and my priorities. You see, now I'm not driven by what the world is driven by and by what culture is driven by. No, instead, I choose his values and his priorities. Lord, I want you to rule my life and I want to find peace in my relationship with you, not in my accomplishments in life. I love it. It was said this, peace is not only a blessing that he can impart, but peace is part of who he is. He is our peace in him. Peace is personified and reaches its perfection. My friend, I just want to tell you today that God desires to bring complete, controlling, perfect peace into your heart and your life. But today and tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, this week, this coming year, 2024, I want it to be a year of peace for Dennis Fountain. But you know how that's going to happen? I have to choose to allow his peace to rule my life. I am governed, my decisions are governed by his peace. My relationships governed by his peace. My friendships governed by his peace. My preaching, I want it to be governed by his peace, but it has to be a choice that each and every one of us make. What's sad about this is the fact that so many of us, we believe the lie that peace, inward contentment and fulfillment can come through some other outlet. 
And I'll be honest today, as I was prepping for this message, I wrote this down. I'm so burdened for us as believers because all too often we fill our lives with so much in order for us to, quote unquote, feel so little. We feel unfulfilled and we don't experience lasting peace when all the while we have the one whose name is Prince of Peace saying, can I control you? Can I rule your life? Hey, just let me be in charge. Hey, just lean into our relationship. Hey, just seek me. All the while, the Prince of Peace is saying, I own peace. And if you know Christ, he already lives in you. So you have peace in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I close today with two questions. One is this, is the peace of God ruling your heart? What do you mean by that, Pastor? If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, are you allowing his peace to control your life? Do you daily embrace your relationship with God and allow him to be active in your heart? Don't buy the lie that you can create a narrative of peace because there is no true peace apart from Jesus Christ. So stop searching for peace when the Prince of Peace already lives within you. For the second question, not only do you have the peace of God, but do you have peace with God? By that, I mean, have you trusted Jesus as your savior? Do you know for certain if you died today that you'd go to heaven? Are you sure that Jesus is in your life? If you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus, can I tell you what we talked about? Him dying on the cross, he did that so you could have forgiveness, a relationship with God and eternal life in heaven. Jesus died so you and I could have eternal peace. And if you're here and you've never put your faith and your trust in him, today before you leave, choose to believe. Today before you leave, choose to receive him into your life. Are you at peace with God because of Jesus Christ? If you are, are you daily living with the peace of God because of Jesus Christ? I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed this morning as we come to a time of invitation If God has spoken to you today, I want to encourage you to respond to him, but I ask a couple of questions this morning as we close. The first question today is this. Are you 100% sure if you died today that you'd go to heaven? If you're here and you'd be honest, pastor, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I've trusted Jesus as my savior. I know that. I've trusted him as my savior. I've already made that decision. At some point in my life, I received Jesus into my life. If you know that today, would you slip your hand right up and right back down? Pastor, I know that. Just right up and right back down. If that's you this morning, you have received Jesus into your life, then today I would ask you, is his peace ruling in your life? Is it controlling your emotions and relationships, your values and priorities? Are you allowing Jesus to bring peace into every facet of you. If you're here and you know Christ is your savior and you are not living right now with that peace of God in control of your life, today, make the decision, Lord, as best as I can this week, would you help me to remember that you want to be the one who rules my heart and God, that you really can bring me true peace. But maybe you're here today and you could not raise your hand to that first question you don't know if you died today that you're going to heaven. 
I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you by name, but I would like to pray for you. If that's you this morning, pastor, would you pray for me? I don't know if I died today that I'm going to heaven. I don't know it. Would you slip your hand right up and right back down? Pastor, would you pray for me? I don't know if I died today, I'm going to heaven. I've never received Jesus into my life. Just right up and right back down. Pastor, would you pray for me? If that's you, you're with us in person or maybe you're with us online today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus today, right where you're seated, right where you are at home, you could put your faith and trust in Jesus, asking him to forgive you of your sin and to come into your life and save you.